Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, Eamon O'Flaherty gives insight into the results of his Chagas UCD master study, looking to understand the opportunities and barriers to dry stock farmers taking up part-time employment on dairy farms. Eamon started by explaining the reason he carried out this research. This research kind of came from two areas, I suppose. Firstly, from dairy farmers' point of view, um, we were looking at uh, part-time roles on dairy farms due to, the, I suppose, the expansion um, in, in, the national, in the national dairy herd uh, post-quarters. Okay? So I suppose um, it has been well documented that uh, since, the, since the expansion of dairy herd that there has been, um, I suppose, a certain degree of uh, labour sources in the sector. But I suppose on the flip side, um, and you could look at this another way as well, that um, there has been a lot of both part-time and full-time employment opportunities created due to this expansion post quarter. So um, that was, I suppose, the first uh, rationale for this research. Looking then, you specifically looked at dry stock farmers as a potential solution to that labour shortage. Why did you go down the route of dry stock farmers? Yeah, so Emma Louise, I suppose we looked at dry stock farmers. Um, I suppose first of all, um, with a lot of dry stock farmers are employed off farm already in similar roles uh, to dairy farm employment. Okay, so um, we were looking at them, them because I suppose they're a demographic who could potentially avail of some of these opportunities on dairy farms. Okay, um, I suppose firstly due to the close proximity of dairy farms and dry stock farms across the country. And secondly, I suppose, um, the skill set and the crossover skills between both dry stock and dairy farmers. So um, I suppose there was potential then from this research uh, to benefit both sides. So it wasn't necessarily trying to fix a dairy farmer's uh, labour issue, but it's just combine both um, and potentially benefit both uh farmers, four types of farmers really. And from working with these dry stock farmers and having conversation with them, Eamon, can you give us some insight into the potential barriers they see, um, you know, going and engaging with a dairy farmer and working with them? A few of the main barriers uh, that I would have, um, that would have came up through the interviews that I carried out with dry stock farmers. Okay, So firstly, I suppose salary would be a main issue and the relative salary, salary compared to if they're working in uh, a different sector. Um, I suppose secondly then um, there's I suppose the perception that dairy farm work is um, associated with tough manual labour and not great working conditions okay so that would have been um, a reoccurring theme that came up through the interviews as well. Uh, thirdly then I suppose the seasonality associated with dairy farm employment okay so that was um, uh, a major issue, I suppose, from a dry stock farmer or a potential employee's perspective. Um, fourthly, then, I suppose, the facilities um, on dairy farms, okay, were identified as a barrier towards um, potential employment, okay. And then finally, I suppose, um, the last barrier uh, was more or less uh, dairy farmers' attitudes towards the employee or the perception that dry stock farmers had of dairy farmers' attitudes towards um, 
towards uh, employment or being an employer, more or less. Okay, so they were the main barriers identified through the research. And I guess like it's very logical, Eamon, in terms of, you know, anyone that works on a dairy farm, you know, before they go in, uh, you know, these are all discussion points and potential barriers or, you know, where things are positive. It's it's a, a, a real attraction to a farm. I suppose firstly delving into salary, you know, I suppose what are the expectations? You know, minimum wage is now at ten euro ten per hour and it's up to ten twenty. Like, you know, how does da- dairy farming for part-time workers compare with, you know, other industries and other sectors that these uh, part-time farmers are engaging in? Yeah, I suppose uh, salary was the first one that came up. So I suppose from a fa- uh, dry stuff farmer's perspective, um, they felt that dairy farm employment wasn't going to be as competitive with similarly skilled work uh, in different sectors. So just for example, uh, factory work and uh, construction sectors. Okay, so they felt they get be- they get better paid within these sectors. I suppose they also felt in that a lot of work on um, dairy farms. W- is offered at minimum wage, okay? Uh, they didn't necessarily want to be working for minimum wage. Uh, I suppose then as well on salaries, they felt that, especially where dry stuff farmers were going to take up relief milking opportunities, okay, that they felt that there was a level of skill and responsibility towards milking, okay, and they wanted to get uh, paid or compensated accordingly then for this, okay, and they felt that this might necessarily be the case. Um, and then I suppose finally, uh, they felt or there was a perception that uh, I suppose the tasks around milking um, are often just expected to be done or built into the milking race, uh, such as like feeding calves or cleaning cubicles there this time of year, okay, at the shoulders of the year. So this is often just maybe built into the milking race. Um, and these were kind of, I suppose, what the dry stuff farmers that I spoke to highlighted um, when they were talking about salary, okay. So um, if there was these uh, tests that were going to be done after milking that they were, uh, I suppose, on an hourly rate in, uh, and then your milking rate was separate. Okay, so this is just some of the some of the parts they highlighted with salary. And I guess uh, that final point that you've made, you know, comes into, um, you know, point number five in, in terms of attitude and perception. So, you know, they might be there to do some relief milking, but then there are other tasks, maybe scraping and living cubicles or feeding calves that come into the task. But I suppose they weren't set out at the start. So maybe a, a clear description in terms of what is expected, um, I guess the expectations of the dairy farmer that they're set out from the start you know that if you're relief milking the task is to uh, drove in the cows milk them and put them back out to the paddock again but if there are additional tasks that are required on the farm depending on the time of year that uh, that is clear to the part-time worker when they come in. I guess looking then at at your second point Eamon and the perception you know this uh, tough um, manual job um, that dairy farming is and then the conditions of work um, I guess you know that is a big perception you know uh, there's a lot of mechanisation I guess in dairy farming now and you know the I suppose the tough heavy lifting is is not necessarily always there but from the dry stock farmers perspective can you give us some insight into what they were thinking there okay yeah so um as i said the second major recurring barrier i suppose through the interviews was um the tough manual labor and the, the working conditions associated with the with the job okay so so they felt it was a physically demanding and tough job um <clears throat> with long working hours okay so um 
and I suppose and like they were what they were doing, they were kind of comparing to the other opportunities, so what they were employed in. So they basically felt that um, there, there, there's easier ways of making a living, okay, so with less demanding and less physical work, okay, and then I suppose on these opportunities, they were kind of explaining to me that um, there's oftentimes more of an even spread of the workload over a team of employees, say, for example, on a construction site, whereas a lot of the time on a dairy farm, okay, just given the scale of most dairy farms, um, employment scenarios are often one-on-one, okay, so there's, um, I suppose that was that was their perception then that uh, where you were one-on-one with the farmer, there was going to be, it was going to be a demanding job. And I guess a simple communication starting out would, I suppose, lead the part-time um, labour on the farm to understand where they're coming from, what the team consists of um, from that perspective. Looking then into seasonality, Eamon, you know, um, obviously within dairy farms, we're used to block calving within Ireland, predominantly spring calving. So that obviously feeds into some barriers. Can you give us more insight there? Seasonality, Emma Louise, was uh, uh, a massive barrier from a dry stock farmer or a potential employee's perspective. Um, I suppose, as you were uh, alluded to there, a lot of the labour on dairy farms um, and the perception of of labour on dairy farms is that dairy farms only need labour for that eight to ten week period over the spring where they're busy calving. And then there's a perception then from uh, a dry stock farmer's point of view that dairy farmers won't want you after this. Whereas from their perspective, they are looking for employment opportunities that are on a part-time basis, but cover the, the full calendar year. Okay, um, so this this is kind of this is the seasonality is a major barrier from a dry stock farmer's perspective to taking up employment on a dairy farm. Is there a solution to this, Eamon? Okay, I suppose Emma Louise, from a dairy farmer's perspective, and. Um, it might be important to maybe move away from the perception that you only require um, labour for that eight to ten week period. Okay, so um, I suppose and move away from the idea that you, you you're going to get them in the spring because that's not necessarily going to be the case if you leave it till the spring. Okay, so it might be important to maybe start if you want labour now. If you want labour in the spring, to maybe start looking now. Okay, so I suppose there's a lot of tasks that can be done, uh, I suppose, this time of year as well, especially from a part-time, with a part-time employee. So uh, I suppose getting housing ready for for calving, uh, we're going to be feeding silage, I suppose, this time of year and bedding cubicles and stuff. So um, so there is a lot of work that can be done from uh, for a part-time employee this time of year and where you can offer work throughout the calendar year for a part-time employee, you are going to be more likely to retain them, okay? So whereas if you're just employing someone for that eight to ten week period every spring, you're, it's not necessarily going to be the case that you're going to get the same person coming back every year. Okay, um, so I suppose this is just something that dairy farmers should be kind of starting to look at. And I think, Eamon, it's a very timely uh, time of the year for us to have this discussion. And as you say, you know, it's no harm to get this part time labour now and have them in and familiar with the yard that, you know, they're not just coming in on the 1st of February when things are getting extremely busy and there's little time to train them. You know, there's essentially two months of milking left in the majority of parlours in Ireland this year and where we can get people in and get them used to the system and familiar to the milking parlour it means a lot and it reduces an awful lot of stress in the springtime 
Looking then to facilities, Eamon, this is something that has been highlighted. Uh, Martine, Martina Gormley, the labour specialist within Chagas, and also some farmers we've spoken to would say that their facilities for themselves alone, but also then to attract staff is important. Did you see this with the dry stock farmers? Definitely. So this this was, I suppose, Emma Louise, another key barrier towards uh, the uptake of employment uh, on dairy farms. Okay, so uh, dry stock farmers I spoke to would have highlighted the lack of facilities. So they would have kind of explained to me and felt that where dry stock or dairy farmers have expanded quickly over the last few years, often case and oftentimes I suppose um, the facilities haven't followed suit. So from their point of view, then um, this makes dairy farms less attractive places to work. Um, and I suppose one thing that uh, dry stock farmers did highlight, and it's often um, it's oftentimes forgotten about, but basically things like having, uh, I suppose, changing facilities for an employee and access to a toilet. Okay, so they are very important things where you are implying that um, that dairy farmers really need to be aware of, and there are often things that are forgotten about. Um, and I suppose then facilities or automation um, is very important then as well. So especially for tests. Uh, where it eliminates the drudgery of a certain test. Okay, so like um, you, ha- we have no facilities or um, machines for uh, autom- or cleaning cubicles. Okay, um, and certain things like that, and straw blowers, for example. So facilities which eliminate the drudgery of the work are very important as well. And a couple of key points there that you've made, Eamon, the the changing facilities and the toilet, you know, very basic things. And if you think about changing facilities, particularly in the likes of the springtime, you know, people are maybe getting wet, cold, um, you know, it it can lead to getting a bit miserable, maybe getting a, a cold or flu. Um, and essentially what, what you're doing is eliminating that and, and just making the place an overall nice place to work. Um, you know, you're your uh, point there about the lack of facilities, you know, expansion and the facilities didn't necessarily keep up the pace there. Like that also comes back to salary. And, you know, if you have a flat rate for a milking, there's a very, very much a, di- a difference if you're milking eight to 10 rows of cows versus 15 rows of cows. And, you know, salary um, should uh, compensate for that accordingly. Finally, then, Eamon, you mentioned the attitude of the dairy farmer and and maybe the perception the dry stock farmer has of the dairy farmer's attitude what exactly exactly do they mean by that so i suppose just the the perception um that dry stock farmers have maybe towards dairy farmers i suppose it kind of this uh, i suppose very kind of touches back on the first four that we've covered okay so like i suppose in terms of they felt salary okay so where they were working in um, say for example a factory they were going to get their 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 check um, or they're going to get their money into the account at the end of the month whereas they felt on the dairy farm that they might have to go chasing the dairy farmer for, for pay okay and I suppose another kind of attitude point that they highlighted I suppose um, from their perspective was I suppose um, a lot of dairy farmers might necessarily um, know what it feels like to be in the employee's shoes, okay? So um, a lot of farmers would have kind of gone directly home after college, um, so, they, uh, so they don't necessarily um, understand the, motive, the difference between being a farm owner and being an employee, okay? So they would have highlighted this, um, and I suppose this thing links back, I suppose, to uh, the regular, uh, and having regular working hours, okay? So whereas a dairy farmer might, 
be quite happy to work uh, long evenings um, because it's their own farm. This is not necessarily the case for an employee. So they want regular working hours um, and they're able to plan the rest of their the rest of their day then around it's okay so just kind of attitudes and motivational difference in like that so this was that barrier really I think you've hit on a, a lot of points there Eamon and it's great um, you know for dairy farmers to get uh, a little bit of insight into the psyche of um, you know staff that are on the farm and I think this you know everything that you've mentioned is relevant for any type of staff whether it's you know a relief milker somebody just coming in for the spring or somebody doing part-time or full-time work across the year. If we look then uh, specifically to the um, the roles a dairy farmer can outsource. So, you know, you can bring people in and, and look, we've, we've mentioned it, relief milkers, spring labour or part-time employment, full-time employment. What sort of work can the dairy farmer delegate, um, you know, to employer, employees coming into the farm? Okay, yeah. so Emma-Louise, I suppose just uh, from the research point of view, I suppose we highlighted the barriers first, okay, and I suppose some of them might necessarily um, be of good listening for, from a dairy farmer's perspective, but I suppose it's no harm to uh, to understand these perspectives or these perceptions that are out there as well, okay, so that we can, so that dairy farmers can improve and then become better employees, okay, so then I suppose what roles that can be um, outsourced, okay, so um, a second part of research, really, we looked at um, we looked at five case studies. Okay, so um, touching back on the previous point, so that there is a lot of farmers successfully, and a lot of dairy farmers successfully employing staff across the country. Okay, so um, it was just a matter of sitting down with advisors in the local region and identifying some different roles on dairy farms. Okay, so I suppose the roles that we identified on a part-time basis for uh, relief making opportunities. Um, we looked at a spring labour scenario, part-time work, so two or three days a week, uh, contract winter feeding and nighttime calving. Um, so there were the, the case studies that we looked at as part of the research, um, Emma-Louise. And like looking then, and I suppose moving away from exact tasks, you know, what are the, the benefits you see to the dry stock farmer and the dairy farmer from an arrangement where the dairy, the dry stock farmer can have a labour input on a dairy farm? Okay, Emma-Louise, so I suppose one of the main, I suppose from a dry stock farmer's perspective, one of the main benefits that working on a dairy farm can offer, I suppose, is uh, it's an additional source of household income. And I suppose where we were working in on a part-time basis, uh, it's not necessarily going to take up too much of your time, okay? So you're able to pursue other interests and opportunities then as well, okay? Um, and I suppose working on a farm then, I suppose, offers you a greater flexibility um, to maybe potentially spend more time in your own farm, okay? So a lot of dry stock farms I would have spoken to um, highlighted, uh, I suppose, one of the limitations with working in construction or working in a factory that uh, their own farm often gets put on the back burner and things don't get uh, don't get done. Okay, so working on a dairy farm could offer uh, more flexibility to work on your own farm. And then I suppose finally, with a lot of dry stock farmers uh, commuting into urban centres on a daily basis for work, um, working with a dairy farmer in your locality. Okay, so it's going to eliminate that daily commute um, and then potentially improve work-life balance for a dry stock farmer. Um, I suppose from a dairy farmer's point of view, uh, with 
and being successful in um, implementing part-time uh, labour on the farm. Okay, so I suppose the main benefit is obviously going to reduce the workload from a dairy farmer's point of view. Okay, so just take for example a scenario where you could get four milkings taken off your work workload per week. Okay, so just for argument's sake, we say a milking is two hours. That's going to be eight hours off your working week. That is a full day's work in any other industry, okay? So that's probably an important point, okay? So where you can even get part-time labor to do a relatively small amount of work, it's still going to free up a lot of your time, okay? Um, and a lot of dairy farmers I spoke to, I suppose the benefits they highlighted was um, it allows them and it frees up more time to focus on management tasks, okay? So I suppose testing that are really driving profitability on the farm, okay? So um, grass budgeting, um, and the financial side of farming as well, okay? So these are often things that can get put on the backbone as well from a dairy farmer's perspective if um, if they're doing trying to do everything themselves. Um, I suppose it can uh, improve overall labor efficiency on the farm. And I suppose one of the key points in that the dairy farmers I spoke to started research highlighted was um, just the importance of having someone that knows your system and knows your farm, okay, for just for in case something ever happened, okay, that there was someone that could step in or there was someone that could at least show another person uh, the system so they could step in, okay. So that was really one of the benefits dairy farmers felt to having part-time labour over the calendar year um, helped them. I think you've made, again, some interesting points there, Eamon. And, you know, notwithstanding all the barriers that we, we talked through, the dry stock farmers would see it as, as a huge benefit to to gain some employment on dairy farms. And from a dairy farmer's perspective, I mean, you've done a little uh, a calculation there, you know, just four milkings in the week, which, you know, is, is a small amount of money um, that you would have to pay out gives time for farmers to potentially take a step back from the farm but also then to focus on managing the farm and uh, you know I would have heard um, Matt Ryan speak about this and and, and many others uh, talk about it you know we need the opportunity to reduce the manual day-to-day workload in order to focus on managing the farm and getting the best out of it and you know you talk about grassland management you know if you get that right, it leads to huge profitability. You know, you'll have paid for the the part-time labour, um, you know, manifold. And finally, Eamon, you know, you make the point that it's now time to source part-time staff. And, you know, if, if you're heading into a busy spring, you know, this is the time to source the people and train them up to work on the farm uh, come spring. Can you give us top three tips uh, for dairy farmers who are interested in taking on part-time staff? So, Emily, I suppose from the dairy farmers I spoke to who are successful in implementing part-time roles on farm, okay, so uh, one of the major things that they would have highlighted was starting small and growing then over time, okay, so not to rush into too much too soon, okay, and to have realistic expectations. Um, and I suppose not rushing into too much too soon um, and then developing the workload potentially as the relationship grows between the employer and the employee, okay? So that would have been very success- successful for DIM farmers. Um, I suppose secondly, then, um, having regular working hours and the length of the working day, okay? So from an employee's point of view, regular working hours are one of the most important things um, that they're looking for in an employment opportunity, okay? Uh, and then, 
I suppose, the length of the working day. So one of the things that's going to dictate this the most, um, Emma Louise, is the start time of your evening, evening milking, okay? Um, so I suppose the later you're starting that, the longer your working day is, okay? Um, and I suppose from a dairy farmer's perspective, um, to be implementing or using your, your 16 and 8 um, hour milking intervals, okay? So this is very attractive from an employee's perspective. And I suppose from the potential employees that I spoke to, they would have said that a reasonable finishing time, okay, so walking out the gate of the farm would be six o'clock in the evening, okay? So dairy farmers then need to um, need to start their evening milking time accordingly then to suit this, okay? So where they want to attract staff and retain staff. And then thirdly, I suppose, uh, as they touched on already, um, but to move away from the perception that you can get labour in the spring, okay, or you only really need it for the spring, I suppose, as, farm, as, uh, as farms have expanded with a lot of dairy farmers now over the 100 cow mark, okay, that there is potential for part-time labour over the course of the calendar year and where you can successfully implement it. So maybe just 10 hours a week, for example, um, over the calendar year, and you're going to be more likely to be able to retain them. And there's a lot of work that can be done, okay, and then... You could sit down maybe in the spring and have the conversation with your employee. So maybe open a few hours into the spring where the workload is going to be increased. So there would be just my main three tips for um, farmers thinking about trying to get part-time labour over the course of the year. And I think that's a, a good point to wrap up on, Eamon. And I guess all of your key points would um, would be based on farmers just taking a step back and looking at the overall system and making things realistic. Um, you know, people understanding their expectations and also having a nice place to work and an attractive place to work. I think, you know, maybe we'll have to go back and listen to this a second time to take in all of the information that you've given us, Eamon. But in reality, for anyone that is in employing staff there you know maybe one of the five key points that you have given us today is something that the farmer needs to address and improve upon um thank you Eamon thanks very much Emma Louise that's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Eamon O'Flaherty for joining me on this week's show don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.